Kia ora team and welcome to the Beyond the Surface podcast. My name's Noel Wolof and on today's episode I'm joined by Johnny Hendrikis. I hope wherever you're listening that you had a really good Christmas break, spend lots of time with friends and whanau and are feeling energised heading into 2024. As I reflect on the last 12 months of Beyond the Surface, this has been such an incredible period of my life really, if I'm, if I'm being honest. I always said when I started this thing, if I was to help motivate or positively impact just one person through doing this podcast, then it would all be worth it. And throughout these last 12 months you know we've had guests on the on the show that I did not think would ever be possible so it's super cool just to keep normalizing these conversations we've got some massive guests coming on the podcast in the next few months I'm really excited to get some more content out for you guys and to keep having these conversations around mental health and resilience and just unpacking people's stories because I think you know you don't know what you don't know in this world and so many people go through the same struggles but it's just so invisible to each other because we we don't hear about them. Super stoked to kick off 2024 with a banger of a podcast with my brother Johnny. In my opinion, Johnny is probably the best content creator when it comes to creativity and creating his own unique spin onto video and social media creation. Um, He is absolutely smashing it. He's currently working for the Highlanders, but there's so much more to this man than just an individual who pumps out content on social media. He's an incredible mind, a great friend, and we had some really funny conversations throughout this podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Make sure you check out his work in the link in the description below. Welcome to episode number 30. But I think the first time I saw you was probably popping up on Facebook back in like 2015 when you had your business idea, which was like a, not disposable, but like a sort of filtration system for <laughs> bottled water. Refill. 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 That's the name for it. Yeah, that was the first um, first ambitious project uh, coming out of uni. Yeah, the refill filter. I still wish I had it today. I look back on it now, I'm like, damn, I wish I had it. Can you give me the, the Dragon's Den business pitch for refill water? So refill was a universal uh, activated charcoal filter that was adapted and could fit onto any plastic bottle you could think of that had that 2.5 inch or whatever the hell it was um, bottle cap. So your typical mm. Coke bottle, your pump bottle, your h to go bottle your deep spring, your big blue, any of these kind of water bottles that we become accustomed to seeing and buying uh, at like yeah at supermarkets, this filter could fit on top of. And it could filter up to 500 litres of water. What does it mean by filter? So filter, so a lot of... I, I, I'm going to deep dive into where I went wrong with this because it is quite interesting. But basically, um, it uh, removes... Um, it removes uh, like fluoride. No, not fluoride. Removes chlorine. So the whole, the whole entire, the, the whole thing came about. I just, I don't like to drink tap water. I don't fuck with tap water. <laughs> I'm actually gonna take these off. Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, I can't fucking can't stand can't stand tap water. So um, and at, at the time there was a business doing it that were called Bobble, um, but you had to buy their bottles and you had to buy their filters, um, and they kind of just like. I know you're kind of brought into the environment of their mm. bottles and their products and stuff, and they'd kind of just fuck out. Like they would get really manky, and you'd have to go rebuy them. And then soon st- uh, stores stopped stocking them, so they become really hard th- to get a hold of. Yeah. I was like, the one thing that we always 
go back to is our like pump bottles and our H to go bottles. Those are the bottles that we're using like yeah. all the time. Yeah, and yeah, now yeah, there's very true. Thing at the gym, like they're just easy because you can buy them and yep. where you go. Yeah, but but yeah. So you know, I was kind of um, hamstrung by by the bobble, and I like the portability of the whole thing. But I was like, well, surely there's a way we can get a bottle cap that fits in all these other bottles, and we can put a bloody activated charcoal filter in it mm. and do the exact same thing. Um, and so we did it. So I used my own money. I bootstrapped the whole thing. Oh, I think right. I chucked like five grand at it at like, as like a 21-year-old. That's massive though. Um, like, especially fresh out of uni, like yeah. just gone for it. It's 100%. Huge. I really like believed in it. Um, I had a, a little investment from one of my friends as well. Um, he kind of sort of brought into the idea and nice. um, you know, I did all the design. I did all the video, all the content creation for it. Did all just did the whole shebang. Um, yeah, bottom line, removes chlorine, makes water taste really good. Um, but the way I went into it, and um, so I set up a Kickstarter. Mm, I remember the Kickstarter. I think that's probably what I saw. Yeah, and I had a goal of about thirty. Might have been about thirty grand. Yep. I needed thirty grand in order to make the tool that was needed to get these things manufactured on a larger scale. That was the whole dream. I managed to raise ten, so I got pretty close. But the angle that I took was like. I really went down this rabbit hole of, okay, there's a few facets to this. A, the Kickstarter, American, uh, it's an American um, website, I guess. Yep. You know, so a lot of American ideas and stuff. Mm -hmm. I, found a, I found a project that I really liked and I kind of copied their format and I started creating assets for this Kickstarter based on a successful project that had worked mm -hmm. previously. So that's the video, that's the, the GIFs, that's yep. the, the raising, that's all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. Um, so that was my, that was my first so probably hiccup it was going down the line of Kickstarter for a product that is made here in New Zealand or should be mm, New Zealand focused. True. Um, the second part of that was I went really deep on um, the environmental benefits of it where the environmental benefits were, okay, so you're going to buy this filter, you're going to buy one bottle and it's going to stop you from buying more bottles Multiple of water bottles. because yeah. you know, now you can keep reusing that one bottle. Like that was true. Like there's an element of truth to that. But I lost sight of why I truly did that project in the first place, and that was just simply to make water taste better. Mm. And at the end of the day, that's what the product was. It was to make water taste better. Yeah. And a lot of my like language and design and that kind of stuff probably steered away from that, mm. and it kind of got lost. And yeah, and this vision of the environmental factor of it. Yeah, true. And nothing came out strong at the end, so yeah, it didn't really work. The other thing to consider, and again going back to the fact that Kickstarter is American, is that Americans don't reuse their water bottles over there. So mm. I've put this, I've put this product product out there, assuming that people are going to use it to reuse their water bottles. But the plastic and stuff that they have in America, it's like way softer. It's really single use. Mm. Whereas here in New Zealand, we're quite unique in the sense that we do reuse our pump bottles and we do reuse our big blue bottles, and mm. like that's quite like a normal thing for us to, to keep using. Maybe because the bottles are a bit better quality, maybe they're a little bit thicker. Yeah. But I didn't take note of any of that stuff. Mm. It was only until reflection six months or a year after, I was like, this is probably why it didn't work. Yeah. And with that fundraising platform, all of your money, so you see the 30K goal, you raise 10K, all of that money goes out the door with that platform, so you don't get to keep any of that. Is that true? You don't get to keep any of it. You don't get to keep any. That's rough. You have to get to 30k. You have to get to your goal um, to get any of the money. True. I spent four thousand um, dollars on this PR fucking guy and got absolutely scammed. So he ended up emailing me. I got multiple. 
multitudes of these emails come through like, hey, we're a PR agency in America and we can boost your Kickstarter to go on to mm-hmm. this channel, mm-hmm. onto gear, like gear goods, a bang good and gear goods and all these like websites that mm-hmm. can promote mm-hmm. like, you know, innovation and inventions. I was like, yeah, sweet. Like this guy kind of, kind of like looked him up, sort of saw his website and that kind of stuff. He's got a website, he's legit. Yeah, exactly. Flicked in the money and um, fuck radio silence for like 10 days. Oh, damn. He didn't do anything. And then he did a little bit and then he kind of replied to me a little bit and then just stopped messaging me completely. Fuck. And then I researched him a little bit more and found all these websites um, saying how much of a scam this guy is. Basically just a con artist. Con artist. True. I got scanned four grand. So, at least it's not as bad as falling for one of those like Nigerian prince email like ones that got sent, sent around a few years ago. Still haven't fell for one of those yet. Oh, I've had a few friends, which I, I won't name who, but I've had a few mates that um, have been caught by scams. I guess they're getting so sophisticated now as well, aren't they? Mm. Um, one, one good friend of mine, he was like, oh, bro, I need a, I'm, a, I'm, I'm really, you know, I need, I need a couple hundred bucks. I was like, yep, no worries. So he was in trouble, gave it to him. And then I was like, what was the money for? And he was like, oh, it's uh, for crypto. I was like, oh, shit. You know, what sort of rabbit hole are we going down here? And he basically copied and pasted, I guess, what the fake person was sending him. And it was like, this Forex trader is a dynamic 520 generator with revenues. Oh, it just did not even make any sense. No. I was like, brother, you've been scammed. He was like, nah, I'll be the one laughing, you know, when this when this oh, pays out. No. And uh, yeah, turns out it was obviously a scam. Got my money back, all good. It's just a funny story now. But yeah, definitely for, uh, uh, minus that example I just gave, some of them are getting pretty sophisticated now. Mm. But I guess the internet's just littered with potential con artists, right? Mm. Yeah, mm. everywhere you go. Oh, we're getting scammed all the time. It's, it's so hard. And especially... Um, especially as like say like a an older person that hasn't really grown up in the in the environment of the internet yeah, age and stuff, and uh, they see a you know an email come through from their BNZ or whatever, and it says you need to bloody renew your account. And that's you right. And this link, he's yeah. like, yeah, well, that's all things I'm gonna do. Like, yeah, and they prey on the oldies, yeah, because do. that's who are more willing and compliant for these sort of scams. It's um, it's yeah. crazy. I I love it when I get those phone calls from. Uh, those like Indian call centers and mm. people are calling you and they're like, oh, you know, you've got a problem with your Apple login. And I just, I don't know if anyone else does this, but I drag them on for as long as possible. Mm. I'll just talk and talk. Oh, okay. And I'll act really dumb and get them to like take so much time out of their day to talk me through the process. Like, have you got your laptop open, sir? Yes. I was like, oh, I can't remember my login. And you'd bring them, I'll spend like 30 minutes on the phone to them. And then I'll just be like, psych. <laughs> and they just end the call like, fuck you, fucking idiot. Like, I know. Yeah, they, hang get, up. they get real pissed <laughs> off. But um, yeah, bro. Hey, awesome. Correct. Obviously, like stoked, stoked to have you on the potty, man. And you've, you've always been somebody who I've seen as like a real goal and dream chaser. And I think um, across across New Zealand, we just, we just need more people like that. You know, people that are keen to... Uh, instead of maybe follow the traditional route of, you know, working a typical nine to five, you know, people who are keen to take risks, Mm. just like with your sort of startup company that unfortunately Mm. didn't make it. But I fucking love individuals who are just keen to give it a shot and just give it a crack. And I think, I think you're one of, one of those guys. And I think something which we've sort of shared a connection on is how important like reaching out is mm. um, and I think you said it really well you know like how powerful is an Instagram DM so bro I'd love to I'd love to hear from you around some of those like what is your approach to reaching out to individuals 
and putting yourself out there. Mm, yeah, no, it's a um, it's a really great point, and I I literally put down to like I guess where I am today. Yeah, you know, we're on a long journey, and the journey, you know, the journey's constant. Mm. Um, but you know, I'm really stuck with with where we're at today, and it has all come down to just asking. Like the power of a DM is unbelievable. Mm. Like, and especially the power of asking is just as yeah yeah like, it's just as like epic so yeah so um man like you know i studied design um studied design at massey got an honors degree in, in design hoping to be a graphic designer um and then sort of came out of it and sort of found my feet um doing sort of video and and, and photo mm. purchased my first camera and was just sort of yeah just taking photos just for the love of photos i guess yeah um, and then, yeah, as sort of time sort of went on, I, I sort of got into, um, wedding videos, had my first sort of season of, of wedding videos. I got, um, approached just by like one of my good mates, um, mm. Dalen, Dalen and Charlie. Um, they're like, Hey, you want to come and like film our wedding? I was like, yeah, sweet. Like 500 bucks, like me and as. <laughs> no pressure. And, um, you know, that sort of started, uh, I guess like the wedding videography career, um, Started putting myself out there a little bit, and then a year later, um, I was confident in the work that I'd done. Um, had a bit of a, uh, you know, a bit of a portfolio of, of wedding videos, mm. um, and I saw that um, Greer and TJ got uh, engaged. Mm. So TJ Perinara for those. Yeah. TJ Perinara, one of the greats. The man, the myth, the legend. Poirou, mayor of Poirou. <laughs> Um and um, I reached out to Greer and said, "Hey, I see that you're um, you've got engaged recently. Like, I do wedding videos. Like, you know, was this something you'd be interested in?" And um, she didn't get back to me for um, for like three weeks. So mm. I, yeah, DM'd her on Instagram, and um, she didn't get back to me for like three weeks. And she finally got back and said, "Hey, yeah, could be keen. Um, yeah, like send us through your rates or whatever, and we'll see how we go." It would have been like six months later. She's like, hey, like, yeah, could be keen to like get you along. Like, let's sort of, you know, get a few more things in place and yeah, mm. let's do it. Like, how much is it and whatever. And um, next thing you know, I'm, I'm there shooting TJ's wedding. That's correct. Bro, I would be shitting bricks, eh? Like, so much of a responsibility to shoot and film and capture those like precious moments for anyone getting married. But to add the added pressure of filming one of the like, greatest All Blacks of all time, who's got, and he's obviously going to put this on his socials, he's got a massive following. Were you shooting bricks before that? Well, I, I organised a, um, like a second shooter, and I, I don't have a second shooter for any of the weddings. You mm. know, I've, I did it for five years, I've had a second shooter once, and that was probably the only time I did it, because I was just like, man, I really got to nail this one. And I don't think I used any of the footage, no disrespect, Jordan Rivers. Um, <laughs> I don't think I used any of the shots that he shot. Um, but I think it was purely just the comfort of knowing that someone yeah. else is there to make sure that I, you know, had all the all the all the T's crossed yep. and the the I's dotted. Yeah. Um, so absolutely, that pressure was there, and I knew I had to nail this one. And still to this day, that wedding video on my YouTube account is still the most viewed video. How many views has it got? Uh, I think it's like one hundred and seventy-eight thousand. Wow, which is not too bad. Crazy. So that video and that opportunity itself, um, from just reaching out to Greer on Instagram saying, mm. "Hey." And backing myself and backing my work um, led to then a year later, COVID comes down. TJ reaches out. He's like, "Hey, bro, I want to like, I want to improve my my content. I want to do more content. Like, is this something you're keen on doing? Mm. Lockdowns here, you know, we're not doing anything else. Like, come down, shoot some stuff." I was like, "Man, absolutely, yeah, fuck yeah, this is awesome. Like, I love rugby and I've just the 
the opportunity getting to mm. know him, you know, um, filming his wedding and getting to film his wedding and now to actually do some like rugby stuff with him, like that was a really big moment, um, I think, in my like career. And I still look at that now, like, yeah, that that's kind of where it started. Yeah, man. Um, started doing some content with him a couple years, you know, linked up with Under Armour, got a few contracts with them. Um, you know, so TJ was TJ was paying me like um, X amount for content for a year. Then Under Armour would pay me for X amount of like sort of sponsored content for him. Mm. So like suddenly the ball was really starting to roll now. Mm. Um, you know, that led into doing some stuff with Artie. Yep. Um, you know, just again through DMing like, hey man, I'd love to do some work with you. Um, doing stuff with the Canes like. Hey man, like, do you reckon I can come down and shoot some stuff at the Canes? All yes. through, all through Insta DM. All through Insta DM. So much more powerful than an email, eh, bro? Hundred percent. Something strange about it. It's like, I guess an email. It's like, you don't have your personal. It's it's, it's very unhumanized through like an email. Mm. I think on Instagram, you know, you can they can. It's so much more easier just to see. Okay, cool. This is Johnny. This is his content. Mm. As soon as you know, you you see that DM coming. Um, yeah, bro. That's that's super powerful. Throughout that process, did you, like, what did you learn from, like, filming TJ and, like, I guess following his journey mm. over sort of COVID lockdown? Like, I guess having that visibility so close to such an elite athlete. Mm. I think um, I think I, like, honed a lot of my creation skills, I think, during that. Of course, like, you do. Like, the, the action of doing helps you get better. You know, yeah. anything I've ever learned has been through the action of doing it. Mm. Anything I've ever picked up about cameras or editing or anything like that has all been from YouTube. It's all been from having the camera in my hand or having the editing suite open and actually the act of doing it is how you remember shit. You know, so like being in the environment, being actually shooting and filming and editing and finding new ways to put this content together um, for TJ, with TJ, knowing that um, it needs to be good enough to go out on a platform of 178,000 or mm. whatever it is onto his platform. Mm. Um, like yeah, that that does teach you how to sort of refine and and, yeah. Yeah, and dial in like a style. Yeah, I bet. And I think for just for professional athletes in general, especially like rugby players, their brand for for those rugby players that aren't sort of stepping in, doing what TJ is doing, doing what, what like Ruben Love is doing, and really honing their social media skills and like building their audience and their profile, mm -hmm. like. If you're not doing that as a professional athlete, you're, you're, you're going to get left behind. Mm. I completely agree. Um, I completely agree in the sense that um, if you're a professional athlete willing to solidify yourself an asset after being in the public realm That's it. of rugby, That's it. Yeah. then absolutely go for it. Yeah. But the other thing I've learned, and this is after just reaching out to other athletes, is it's not for everybody either. Like, mm. not True. everybody... Not, not everybody's confident in posting and creating content. There's some really silent and quiet um, rugby players and, and sports people out there just because they just don't have the story to tell or they don't have the voice or they don't they, they just don't see themselves being in that place. But for the ones that do, like your TJs, like your Ricos, like yeah. your Artis, yeah. um, Israel Dagg, great. Joey Wheeler, great. Mm. Like They've all built these social presences now and during their rugby and some of them have jobs with Sky or mm. Dan Carter jobs with everybody he's got fucking jobs with Louis Vuitton and Adidas and everybody because yeah, yeah, yeah. they've and I mean he's an exceptional 
example because he's fucking dang cut early in the day. Bloody but good looking as well. Yeah, he's a bloody good looking guy. <laughs> yeah, I'll never forget that uh, big jockey billboard he had in Christchurch one day. There's a news article about um, never forget women it. <laughs> literally eating their lunch in their cars, like <laughs> eating their lunch in front of this billboard. Dude, you've just got to imagine like, what would he, because he really came and like he, he was at the hype of his superstardom before like Instagram and like his mm. whole social media thing sort of really popped off. So 100%. just imagine like if that was in the age of social media now, like how even bigger of a superstar he would have been. I completely and agree. And the DM requests he would be getting from Sheila's all around the country. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, on a very, uh, she did well to lock him in, I think. Yeah, yeah, well done. Prize treasure. <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, um, in terms of um, athletes needing to, to, to build up their social presence, like the ones that are willing to do so, um, yeah, it's awesome. And it creates jobs for for the likes of me and Ashton over here, you know, yeah. like, yeah. you know, the content really is becoming more of a, uh, more of a need and especially that good quality stuff to solidify these brand deals. You know, suddenly, you know, TJ investing in his own content means that he now has an asset that he can go to other brands mm. and say, well, I've got really good content now. Mm. So therefore brands are a bit more willing versus uh, say an athlete that, yeah, you get like a whatever Essex sponsorship or added yeah. a sponsorship and you might film your unboxing from your phone or whatever and yeah. you might post it to your stories. Like that's one aspect of it. But if you actually want to dial in and get some good money for these sponsorships and keep these brands on for like longer and truly value the space that you're in, this public space of professional sport, then yeah, you do. You need to be dialing your content and you mm. need to be making it good and you need to be investing in yourself for the long term. And that is like the likes of getting like a content creator to create that stuff for you. Yeah, totally. And I guess you, you'd have really good visibility around um, different brand deals, what brands are wanting from different partnerships and sponsorship in that sort of content creation space. I guess from your experience, bro, what have been like what what are brands looking for when they're looking to like partner? And I'm just I'm kind of saying this with my own sort of mm. view on. Mm. We're having the conversation earlier around, um, you know, like could we get like a beer sponsor for the podcast? And just coming to realization like maybe the values of the podcast don't align to an alcohol company. Mm. So mm. like yeah, I'm just super curious. I don't even know like where do you start with those, that that sort of thing? Because I'm like, how do I even approach a company? What does that look like? So what, so you, you don't have Parrot Dog, is it? So you got your Parrot Dog beers here. Yeah, mate. I've got Parrot Dog here, but they have actually declined the sponsorship. So um, oh. a, a little bit so, And we're giving them nice brand exposure here, so I might just move their logos to face <laughs> away from the camera um, <laughs> and uh, blur out their name on, yeah. the, on the audio. <laughs> Parrot but, Dog, if you're watching this, then there's an opportunity here, I reckon. Exactly. But um, yeah, bro, I'm just, it's just like, where do, you, where do you start with navigating that space? Mm, 100%. And I think, um, I mean, you, you do like raise a pretty good point, you know, as a is an alcohol uh, brand sort of something that you want to align with or does it sort of fit within your values and does it yeah. fit within their values as well? Yeah. Um, you know, and it's it's all fair and well to, um, you know, get sent a couple of beers just to, you know, have free beers and stuff. But, you know, you really want to be, you know, you're providing the platform and you're doing all the work behind, you know. You mm. want to you want to maybe see a little bit of mm. cheddar coming from it, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you could be right. Like, and I think as a, as a, as a business, you know, you – if you really want to work with somebody, um, I think um, you really need to pitch and over-deliver, like really, I guess, like sell the sizzle. Yeah. You know, and the sausage. Yeah, sell know? both. <laughs> sell both. Um, and sort of provide like an overall, um, like 
an overall sort of strategy on how you're going to include mm. their product within your mm. content. Uh, you know, how many views are you sort of looking at? Yeah, like, get creative. Hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. And then I think, and I think the hardest thing, and we'll touch on this before, um, the hardest thing is to put a dollar value on it. Yeah, um, yeah. That's sort like, what's even like a ballpark figure? You know what I mean? Hundred percent. Yeah. But I, I think a, I think a really handy tool um, that you can use to to try and value yourself in this space is, I guess, like okay, find out what because everybody's value is different. Mm. You know, like when I filmed that first wedding, five hundred bucks for that first wedding, mm. like back then, was fucking mean. I was fucking sick with that. Mm. You know, now nowadays I'm charging three and a half thousand dollars. I'm yeah, not getting well. three and a half grand. Like my 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 sense of value for myself has yeah. gone up. Yeah. So your sense of your value. You know, you might be happy with five hundred or or a thousand dollars for five or six episodes or mm. something for um, mm. and, and and some cans and some beers or something. That that to you might be like fucking mean. Yeah. And, but in a year's time, you've got that deal and it's done and you've fulfilled that. You might be seeking two thousand dollars mm. worth now. Yeah, and I think so true. As you build up your repertoire of brands and businesses and that kind of thing that you've worked with, that gives you confidence and gives you the vehicle mm. to push yourself to push for a bit more yeah. and value yourself. Yeah, so true. Yeah, it's definitely the mission for, for next year, try and get a sponsorship in some kind for the podcast. And I, th- I think some of it is also just having the confidence in yourself to be like, okay, cool. What what I've built here is like, it's a thing, you know? We've got like, there's different people involved. We've had some like really reputable guests on, TJ Petanara, thanks for the intro for that, <laughs> bro. And like, you know, a, a, a whole range. I think it's just the confidence like putting it out there. I've also just tried to be really... I guess conscious of growing the podcast organically, mm. so I haven't tried to like monetize it from the get go. It's like I want to want to build something here where people listen to, mm. and then have different brand deals, which I guess from my audience, my audience can gain that value from. Um, yeah, here we go. Yeah, he, here's what I reckon what we need to do. And I was thinking about this on the way. It's like fuck, I wish I had a coffee. You need to get a coffee brand. You need to clear the beers out. Yeah, coffee and, brand. And you That'll need be good. Dial into a canned coffee, like a canned yes, like oat bro. milk supreme. Oh, mate, get out of there. Or, I'm, um, I'm a coffee or, fiend. Or all press or something. You yes. Here. And it might be that, like, for your first year or for your first season, like, could be next year. Make that like a goal. Like, okay, I want to get a coffee brand. It's going to be like all press or whatever, mm. and I'm going to have the coffees on and. It's not going to be. I'm not going to. I'm not going to charge them anything for it straight away. I'm just going to start that dialogue and get that rolling and and build up that r- rapport with them, and so they can so they can see how their product is now included in what you've yeah, got. Nice. Those two come together, and then in the next year, you might be like, hey, like, you know, can we do like a thousand dollars or whatever it might mm, be or something? Mm, but mm. I think two hundred fifty k. Two hundred fifty k. Two hundred fifty k. More money for something, <laughs> <laughs> bro. That's such a good idea. I'm the biggest coffee fan. I 100%. didn't even think of that. So that's fucking. That's brilliant. Coffee brand be awesome. And canned coffee is really becoming yeah awesome now. Yeah, like, man. Fuck, it's becoming good. Yeah, it's like a little shot of just the heroin goodness yeah. in your veins. <laughs> I love. Um, yeah, bro. And talk about your your mahi now. So you're working with the Highlanders. Mm. How did that role come about? Mm. So. Um, so yeah, I mean, like, I, I feel like after um, doing this stuff with TJ, um, yeah, I really, I've always loved sports stuff. I've always fucking loved rugby. Still mm. fucking love rugby. Like I'm a, I'm as much a fan as I am like working in it, you know. And do you used to play? Is a yeah, play Parapalum down here. Nice, spent bloody, 
10 years down here, bloody playing, playing, on, playing on the wing. and yeah, But, uh, you know, you get a bit older, you get a couple of injuries and it, yeah, you still start, you know, re-evaluating your options. <laughs> your options, <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, yeah, big fan of the game and, and again, like, re- reinforcing how, like, epic it was getting to work with TJ in those early days, like, mm. really started that um, that journey for me. Um, and so, yeah, so did some stuff with TJ. COVID sort of happened. Um, I'd been doing stuff with him for a year, whatever it was, and then this job at the All Blacks comes up, social yeah. media for the All Blacks. And um, it just came up on Seek. It's like, fuck yeah. Like, mean, I've got TJ as my reference on my CV. I've got this body of work of mm. all kinds of stuff that they – you know, would be interested in, you know, seeing their fucking con- cu- current content creator bloody taking ideas from the stuff that I've been doing. And I'm just like, this is it. This is my, this is the job that I'm going to be going for. Yeah. Apply for the job. Um, first time, they're like, no, nah, we're not doing the job anymore because of COVID. And then the second time that job rolled around, obviously chucked another application, had even more work with mm. TJ, some stuff with the Canes. Um, Damn that train really put me off. Um, <laughs> some stuff with the canes, and then, um, and then, yeah, didn't even get a. They had him as a reference on my on my um, CV as well, yeah. and didn't even get like an interview. Didn't even get a sniff at it. That is crazy. I just don't understand that because with your yeah relationship with TJ, your body of work, and I guess above all of that, just your skills in general, bro. Like when I look at what you're packaging up at the moment, working on all of the content for the Highlanders, it's like. There's a real like Johnny Flair with all of these like amazing designs and the content that you're shooting. And then even the opportunity that you had recently when you were shooting at that All Blacks game, mm. bro, some of those fucking, some mm. of those photos are just out the gate, hey? And it's like, it's not, it's, it's got a real, it's got, you've got your own unique like creative flair to the work that you do. And I think that really stands out. And mm. it's a bit of a shame you're seeing, you know, other teams sort of incorporating, but <laughs> I guess above above all of that, you know, everyone takes inspiration from other people's work. 100%. And like nothing is completely organic, you know what I mean? So, I agree. Yeah. I agree. And um yeah, and in full respect to exactly that comment, like I get so much inspiration from um NFL, NBA mm. and American sports because they just do it so so well yeah. um in terms of their design and in terms of like the way that they post and the way it all looks and stuff. And I I I bring a lot of that into my work even now. So yeah, not getting that all black job, but really, um, I really had in my head, um, like that I would have a really good shot at it, and to not even get an interview, like it really, shit, it like really put me back, like it really like put me in a spiral. I was like, fuck, is this even like if I, if I can't crack it now while I'm doing stuff with literally like an all black, like am I ever gonna be able to like crack it? Mm. Like am I ever gonna, you know, be able to work at that kind of level and stuff? Like what is like, why? What what is even the point? Mm. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that put me in a that put me in a real rut for a while, and I think um, I think what got me out of that rut was, you know, focusing on something else. I'm a big gamer, um, but focusing on something else, distracting myself away from sort of content, and then coming back into it with, um, you know, I think deep down as a as a creative, you get a bit itchy to, with the need to create something, mm. and I think that's like a um, I think that is just like genetically what's how, yeah. how, how my brain is wired. Like yeah. I, I need to get, I need to creatively express myself in some way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you eventually end up at that point where you just need to create something. And when you create that thing uh, and you like it and you post it and you get a bit of social validation for it, it makes mm. you feel, start, starts to make you feel pretty good mm. again. And then you start, and then the ball starts sort of rolling again. Yeah. yeah. So the, it's, it's amazing 
you get in a creative block, the best way to get out of creative block is to take you out of the creativity, but then put yourself back into it. Mm. Is, it is that still your goal, All Blacks? 100%. Yeah. So you'll, the, make, you'll make it happen, bro, 100%. So this, this, this Landers job came up, um, and Landers job came up, got the interview, kind of got off the job, went to the cane, said, hey, like, you know, the people are starting to recruit for content creators. They're like, no, we're not really in a place to hire somebody yet. Because you're Wellington-based, you'll ideally stay local. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And then three months later, they end up bloody hiring somebody for it. But that's fine. I was down in the Highlanders. I, I don't look back on it at all. Like, I love... I fucking love my team and I love the work that we're doing and I love where we're going this year. Like, man, the Highlanders have got some really good shit going mm. for next year, man. Like, fuck, it's just a whole different team and environment than it was when I first started and I'm just like, I'm just so fucking fizz for it. That's cool, bro. But, um, but yeah, I've, yeah, the gig with the Highlanders has been awesome. Like, it's, it's now, like, because they didn't have much in terms of their socials, I guess, um, you know, they had somebody that was kind of doing the, the email marketing and the Facebook and the this and that and then a bit of the content creation. So it wasn't really like a specialised thing. Mm. But they hired me and they hired someone else for that. So they've split the role into right. two and got somebody specialised yep. in, in both. Um, so they didn't really have they didn't really have a a, a voice or a, a style yet. So it's I pretty much went into it with a complete blank canvas and they've given me complete like creative freedom on how their brand looks and and how we're doing our marketing and even what fonts we're using and what style we're doing and you know it's just been completely I've just been able to really just that's just awesome pour everything I know into this job yeah, basically bro. and just try shit and yeah. just just get deep on the after effects and try these like weird masking things and that kind of stuff and mm. see how it goes and some things do really well and some things don't do very well and it, it all just helps me gain knowledge. I'm mm. just like soaking in all this kind of, you know, experience from being in this role. Yeah. And it's helping me become a better creator. And I, th I feel like this is, yeah, everything happens for a reason. Not getting that all black job back then, fucking two years ago. Like mm. the reason I didn't get that job then is because I'm now doing the job that I'm doing now. Yeah. And the, the job that I'm doing now, I know in two or three years time, I'm going to look back on that wherever I might end up being. And I'm just going to know that this job was mm. an important step to yeah the springboard eh, into the next thing yeah um when you look at you know different content that's being produced like i'm re like i'm sure lots of people listening as well are really interested into like uh, i guess the social media space is always changing like what ticks off like what sort of platforms mm. with you know tiktok's like fucking social media crack basically mm. it's as well but like what are what are some of those really key ingredients of like running a successful brand or company and having that good representation online to like grow your following at the end of the day um it really comes down to storytelling and it really comes down to a story like like some of the best videos are filmed on a mobile phone mm. and the like okay just as a hard example the film stuff that I put on, filmed and edited stuff that I use with my camera and it's edited and it's mean and it's to music and it's awesome. Yeah. I put it onto Instagram. does fucking awesome because that's what people want, right? I chuck it onto TikTok. Absolutely tanks. Like mm, our true. worst content on TikTok is the shit I've like spent lots of time on. Like <laughs> hands down. Yeah. The shit that does the best is the shit that's filmed on phone mm. and it's using their captions and it's using their music and it's using their templates. That is the stuff that does the best. Yeah, true. Down. So it's using the platform 
based yeah. on who's on it and the yeah. way that the, the platform's environment has like allowed you to use it. Yeah. So like in terms of like a TikTok strategy is so much different to an Instagram strategy. Yeah. You know, I've had a couple of, I've, I'm, I'm working with a brand now. Um, I've got a brand deal with Qantas um, early next year. Nice. And they're like, yeah, we want to do, um, um, you know, we want you to do like a really nice video. I'm going to Sydney and we're doing a big kind of Sydney trip. Yeah. Like, yeah, we want you to do like a final edit, um, like big final edit of your whole entire trip for Instagram and TikTok. And I, I went back to them and said, look, like I think that, Instagram is going to be really good. Like, yep, mean the final edit, lots of cool after effects and all that kind of stuff. Yep. But I said, look, I don't, I don't think for TikTok it's going to be very good. I think to be honest, the best thing for TikTok is going to be top five things they're doing Sydney filmed on my phone. Hard out. That's going to do way Little better. Little voiceover or something. Eh? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I think, I think going into it like knowing, knowing what your brand story is, um, knowing what direction you want to go in mm. with your your brand story, it's really important to like sit down and truly like evaluate um, what, yeah, what story it is you want to tell or mm. what direction, like are you, are you sort of trying to be funny? It's really hard to be funny, but if you can be funny, that's yep. some of the most successful content. Are you trying to be a bit more inspirational? Yeah. Um, I, I think there's always a place for really nice photography and video. I think any, any brand or any business, regardless of what you are, mm. if, you're, if your strategy, strategy is Instagram, 25 to 35 year olds 25 to 40 year olds like you need to be doing that stuff mm. if you've got a product that's a bit more aligned with a um yeah with like a younger audience and younger audiences are like tradies and shit you know 18 19 20 apprentices yeah, and stuff if you've got like a lighting company you're selling light switches or whatever it might be jumping on tiktok and making tiktoks about that <laughs> there is an audience there that, yeah, true. that exists true yeah. true um it really just comes down to just really just comes down to your story and like mm. what strategy and what place you want to go. Yeah, yeah, it's super interesting. Eh? And like sometimes I'm scrolling on TikTok, and it's it's such a trap. Like I feel like I spend way too much time than I should on that on that fucking on that app. But yeah, you, you'll stumble across like some random video, and it's the most pointless video. Like what you said, just filmed on someone's phone. They could be like brushing their teeth or some shit. It's got like 1.2 million likes. You're like, what the actual fuck? Like it just gets caught in the algorithm eh? and it just pops up. And yeah, I think we are what people are looking for on TikTok, like what you said, it's not flashy, well edited, polished content. It's more like personable iPhone sort mm. of quality stuff, isn't it? And TikTok, um TikTok is like incredibly um algorithmic, like to the point of it knows um where you're placing your fonts, what font you're using, where you're placing your text, how regularly you're posting, obviously. Um it it's got a complete like artificial intellegence. It's got a brain. It's got, it's literally <laughs> it's got, got its a brain. Own brain. They can analyze exactly how your TikTok video looks. And if you're posting that same kind of content with that same kind of title every single day, like say every fucking Monday for like 12 months, mm. whatever it is, mm. you know, straight 50 mm. videos, whatever it is, mm. every single Monday, that's how you'll get into the algorithm. Mm. And if, if people are engaging with that, then that's when. TikTok knows like, yep, sweet, I'm gonna just keep feeding these people that are liking the stuff this exact same style of video yeah, because true. this is what's doing well. I've got a TikTok account, my shit's all all random. Like really I had one video that popped off and it was um I shot a video I shot a photo of a um of a wallaby running across this trailing forest and uh, Rotorua and I got I got it all on video as the wallaby was going and I was I, I actually I intended to set the photo up um it was just of the trailing path because it was a really nice trailing path and as I was taking the shot mm. the fucking wallaby jumps over and I was like holy shit like what the hell posted that 1.2 million views amazing got lots of followers holy and shit from shit. it 
Um, and But every single other video I've ever posted since, all of my edits, everything. I've even tried to do the funny phone video filmed stuff and it's just all tanked. I don't know if I'm shadow banned, I don't know why, <laughs> but all my videos tank on TikTok. Fuck, my TikTok algorithm fucking sucks. Damn, that's um, crazy. Apart from the the one Wallaby one. Apart from the one Wallaby one. Yeah, but awesome. my Instagram, I've got my Instagram dialed in. That's yeah, the, bro, your Instagram's looking yeah. fucking nice. But, it's like a piece of art. But even then, like people are like, oh, you got to be posting regularly on Instagram. Like I completely agree you do. Um, but I don't post regularly on Instagram. I post like kind of, yeah, like quite staggered. I just, I just post when I make something and that's mm. not consistent. Mm. Um, and I still feel like I get like sort of reasonable reach. But I feel like you can be doing better if you are posting once a day, every day, mm. on the same day, at the same time. Like mm. that, that is definitely like there's truth to that. Yeah, it's like the consistency is key eh, when it comes to growing social media followings. What's been your like most viral photo or video? Is it the Wallaby piece? On TikTok, it would be the Wallaby piece. Yeah, yeah nice. Yeah. What about like across to, uh, like Instagram and stuff? Um, Instagram, um, should I have to probably, I'll probably have to go through it, but, um, the most viral piece, I haven't really had anything that's truly entered true virality yeah. Yeah, on, yeah. on Instagram. Yeah. Let me have a look. Where's my phone? Pull it up, Jamie. Um, pull it up, Jamie. Pull it up, Jamie. We need a Jamie, eh? We do need a Jamie. Um, We've got an Ashton. We do have an Ashton. <laughs> We've got an Ashton. Yeah, it's... Yeah, Instagram, like just the whole social media sphere is, is super, super interesting. Eh? Do you find across, and this is a total separate topic to your most viral um, social media posts, mm. but working across, um, you know, a super rugby team, do, is, there, is there a specific beef amongst the other sort of content producers at different super rugby teams? A really good question. Um, like you, you and the Blues or like you and the Canes or the Crusaders just like beefing okay so the Cane, messaging so the canes um i don't have a single viral video in here i think the, the best i've done has been videos i've collaborated with rodeon but oh, yeah. um but yeah i sort of maintain it anywhere between sort of like eight to twenty thousand you know so oh, yeah, mate, that's all right like we'll keep you it's we'll, okay yeah we'll, we'll keep <laughs> me on um yeah so the canes yeah canes don't have a content creator at the moment but um but no nah, there's um there's really good rapport between all the content creators and um in Super Rugby, like me and Tane have got, yeah, we you know, chat all the time. Like we've got a chat um, that we all sort of post stuff into, like just talking about sort of bits and pieces, obviously like work stuff, but sort of outside of that, like we've all got, yeah, we've all got really good rapport. We've we've set up, um, we've done like collaborator posts before, like Highlanders and Blues have done collaborator posts. We've done uh, Highlanders true. and Chiefs. We did um, collaborator posts when um, when Antoine Leonard Brown got his 100 games at Forsyth Bar and we've got Daniel Leonard Brown playing for um, the Highlanders. So Daniel presented, you know, mm. um, Anton with, you know, like a, like a bottle of beer and stuff. And, yeah. Um, yeah, we collaborated on that. And um, no, so there, there is some really good collaboration. I, I was kind of hoping there'd be some like real beef between you guys. <laughs> like you're just pushing the analytics to like the absolute max. <laughs> I think um, Tane, like it's amazing. All the Super Rugby teams have a really different voice um, on their socials. Mm -hmm. um, I reckon Tane does it the best in terms of... Who's Tane? Is he? So Tane's the Blues. Oh, okay. Yeah, so Blues have really good just... Just really good viral content, really on topic, really, really memey, and really mm. just, yeah, he, he does a really good job in, in that space. Um, Crusaders are a bit more serious with their approach, I think, yeah. um, but a little bit more serious. Um, Chiefs are sort of somewhere sort of in between, and then, like, we, and I reckon my focus is probably more on just 
creating the best, most epic, mm. best looking, most epic content. Like, yeah, bro. You know, that's that's sort of my my approach to, to really, really keen to like also get your thoughts on what is it like to work so closely and have like a behind the scenes. Uh, like hood under the cover for working with uh, like like the Highlanders, for example. Like, what do you see there? Not necessarily around the like content creation side of things, but just around them as individuals, them as athletes. Um, you know, operating at the highest level in New Zealand. Have you have you had any like really key takeaways from? I guess because because you're in there when they're like you know just in the gym. You're you're in there during like their worst moments, their mm. highest moments. Mm. Is there any? Thing in there which you think other people might find interesting. The athletes that have done the best, from what I've seen, and this is there's a perfect example um, that I've just taken out of a shoot that I literally did. Is today Friday? Yeah, today uh, Friday. yeah. That we did a shoot yesterday with our tri- triathlon. Um, the the best performing athletes are the ones that do lots of work outside of their training hours. Mm. So Aaron Smith, you know. I've heard he is dialed. He is like unfucking believably dialed. Really? He's absolutely insane. That man is like just a freak of nature. And like, yes, he's yes, he's got his fitness and he's got his skills. Um, but I think a lot of it is the, the mentality that comes with it to want to work and work a bit harder and, and be best even outside of what's expected of you so he's the only athlete I ever saw last year um, at 6 in the morning at fucking Les Mills when we'd be going trying to get in a trying to get a workout before work mm. he'd be the one training before everybody else before his training for the Highlanders actually started right. the only athlete that I saw anyway and that showed because he's an 80 minute man he's a, he could play 100 minutes of rugby mm. easy he's so fucking dialed in and it's the extra work that he's putting in outside of that is yeah, I think true. what makes him such an elite athlete. Another great example of that is Hugh Renton. Hugh's a Ford. He's a loose Ford. Um, and, yeah, we did um, did the inaugural, inaugural Port to Peak race yesterday. Very first time we've ever done it. Um, we run from Port Chalmers uh, all the way down the coast and then uh, and then a run up Signal Hill. It's a little bit like kind of what the Canes do here. Yep. I think in total it's like a swim, a, a swim, a bike, and a run. Um, in total, it, yeah, it's like an 11k bike. They swim for 500 meters and they run uphill for a couple of kilometers or whatever it is. The mm. whole thing takes about two hours, about an hour. Mm. Um, Hugh's a loose forward. Hugh is also now another athlete that I see putting in heaps of work behind the scenes. He does his does his eight to five training with the team, um, but he's at well and being doing hot and cold therapy and the saunas into the cold pool. He's at Les Mills doing saunas and. Getting mm. a, getting in, he's on the on the on the on the bikes and on the treadmills. Hugh does so much work on his body and on his fitness and on his on himself. Um, that yeah, he won that triathlon yesterday. Loose forward, usually wow. it's a back. Crazy. Yeah, the back the the next back that did really well was um, well that came second or the best back. So Hugh got a time of like one sixteen, and then Sam Gilbert got like one forty five. And he was the next best, so he was second. Um, also puts in a lot of work behind the scenes. Um, but Hugh was so dialed in um, with um, his structure as an athlete. He's like, um, he literally told me like two weeks ago, um, doesn't take any pre-workout, doesn't take any caffeine, 
doesn't do anything like that. Most of the boys take pre-workout before their game mm. or whatever it might be or, or some sort of caffeine mm-hmm. or sort of stimulant. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that's not sensitive. Um, but yeah, Stiffing he's... rocks. No. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> so rock, so rock. So weightlifting rock. <laughs> um, yeah, he doesn't have any of that stuff before the game. But yeah, he is the most like nuggety, hard running, head in the game, hardest motherfucker in like the entire team. Like he's just so fit and just... He's insane. And I really think it comes down to all of that. I really think it's his hot and colds that he does, eh? It's mm. a really big thing. Um, what do you reckon is the driver behind him and also, like, Aaron Smith? Like, why are they different to every other athlete? I think they appreciate the – well, not just appreciate, but they really dial in to um, the – opportunity that they have right now like they know that this isn't forever forever yeah you know they know that they want to be the best athlete they want to give it their best shot at going as far as they can with it um and they recognize the position that they're in Mm. and that they've literally got from fucking literally probably 25 years old to 31 32 34 if you're nuggy yeah you've you've got 10 years-ish in, in a career yeah. to really, A, make lots of money, B, be at your, like, humanly fittest, mm. um, and C, yeah, like, say, like build up, like, your, your public profile or whatever it is. Yeah. But I think, like, guys like this, like, really do appreciate. Like, Hugh's, Hugh's really big on wanting to do more content. Mm. Nuggie's pretty big on doing content and, mm. and stuff as well. Like, mm. they, they know the position they're in. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't last forever. Yeah. No, I've, I've heard... Um, yeah, Aaron Smith, Nucky has just dialed to the T with his training, his regime around recovery and everything. And you can definitely see it on the field, eh? I feel like when you reach to when you reach to the stage of professional sport, because everybody's so good. Like you don't just become a Highlander or you don't just play professional rugby or professional fucking table tennis for that matter. But those individuals who stand out above the others, they're doing it's it's the incremental bits of improvement and recovery which they're putting into their schedule it's the ice baths it's Mm. the eight hours of sleep it's the diet that they drill down and those incremental uh advancements compound over a long period of time against Mm. someone who doesn't 100% I read um I think I I heard on a podcast like LeBron James I think he puts over like a hundred thousand dollars into himself um every single year in terms of like his recovery Mm. and just looking after his body so, like, he sees his vessel as, like, you know, an investment to... And I think it might even be more than 100K, but, like, he really dials in on not just what the club, like, the Lakers provide to him, but also, like, his own wealth and fortune into his recovery to be that much better every single time. His body is his business. Yeah, exactly, 100%. Yeah, it's so, it's so true. Um, yeah, do you... And I guess, like, what about... What about the hard times? Because like the, the Landers have had a few a few tough se- seasons. Oh yeah, oh yeah, season. baby. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Like, what is what does it look like for uh, like what's the morale like across the like in, in in the sheds, for example? Like, what's the coach saying to them? Is every yeah? Who are those leaders in those times mm. where things aren't looking too great? Mm. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's really interesting. Um, when a team isn't performing, and I guess I got I got a real taste of that. Um, obviously, last year, you know, we 
yeah, fuck, we obviously didn't even make the quarterfinals. Tough for your job too, eh? Because you're like your role is to market the performance of the team, basically. Man, you know, like, <laughs> but, and I put it down to just having really fucking passionate um, fans, and I, I, and I'm genuine when I say this. I, I reckon the Highlanders have the most passionate fans in the entire country. Uh, that, and I think the Chiefs, maybe, but. In terms of their passion, because it's such a smaller city, like rugby really is ingrained into the fabric of a mm. lot less people, so it's more concentrated. Yep. Like, man, the amount of people, the amount of people I walk past every single day that are wearing Highlanders jerseys has been far more than I've ever seen Hurricanes jerseys here mm. in, uh, in, in, in Wellington. It's been far more than I've ever seen Blues jerseys in Auckland. True. So many people love the Highlanders, and we get these turnouts and stuff, and they're, and they're amazing. So... The passion that's down there for this game means that when times are tough, they're the first one jumping on the Facebook comments and they're jumping in like, fucking useless, blah, blah, blah. Like, why do we even bother? Like, this person needs to leave and that player needs to get out and da, 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 da. And it does. From a social media point of view, man, I've got to go through there and I've got to, like, clean that shit up. So do you delete some of them? Uh, We we hide comments. Right. Yeah, we hide comments. We hide – and sometimes we get pretty nasty comments there. Yeah. Every now and again, yeah. Every now and again, you get some like pretty pretty bad stuff. I've just started like, I've just started blocking. Like if you're if, if you're at a point where you're leaving like nasty comments about a team you actually like support, mm. and that's not the type of fan that we want. Yeah, that's just not it. Yeah. So when the when the going is tough, my job definitely gets tough. Um, but that's why we do all the work that we do now. You know, like trying to, like winning is the is the it's the it's the cherry on the cake. Mm. Like if you're doing all this work. Like good work, and you're and you're doing some good community stuff, and you're getting out there, and, and mm. that kind of thing. Like winning just makes all of that stuff a lot sweeter. Mm. So you get you get really it's a bit of an investment, I guess. Like it compounds. You know, mm. all the stuff you do now, and then you finally win. That's when the the market goes up, kind of yeah. thing. You know, cut out. Um, but yeah, when the going gets tough, like you certainly, I, I certainly felt like morale. Um, yeah, morale was sort of across the office. Like, yeah, like. It'd be weird. But It'd be interesting, eh? It, it does. Like, it kind of gets down. But but these these guys are like the professional athletes, and I think the the coaches actually do a really good job at um, like managing loss and managing um, like disappointment and stuff. And mm. I think as professional athletes, they they do do quite well in sort of like handing that and 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 going into the next game sort of as as prepared as they would have been mm. had they been on a winning streak you yeah. know what i mean yeah um, and i think that has been the difference and i've been in team environment, environments before like when you're not at a professional level or whatever and you're playing rugby and stuff and you're losing games fuck you just start getting boys not coming to training Hard and so you, you struggle to get numbers to the fucking game at the end of the day yeah. but that doesn't happen in professional rugby mm. like mm. the boys are always turning up because a they're getting paid for it and it's their job but b um, i think there are devices in place that allow them to um, handle winning and handle losing mm. and i think it's i I actually think it's a lot harder being a good winner than it is a big a good loser because mm. being a loser um, or losing games um, means you've always got something to work harder towards. Mm. Whereas when you're winning all the time, then suddenly you've got this expectation that maybe you don't need to work so hard. Yeah, that's so true. Mm. That's so true. Mm. I feel like it's a fucking massive, not a burden, but so much responsibility gets put onto these young players. Like if you're you know you're 20, 20 years old, twenty one, you're earning six figures. You get the ball past the, you knock it on, and you're like, "Fuck, am I gonna get any like starting time now? Am I gonna be benched for the rest of the season?" And that could be, you know, all your earning potential done. You've had a shit season. Like the amount of pressure which gets put onto these young players across across any sport, right? 
it's pretty it's pretty massive and I think what probably inflates that as well and I'm sure we've all we've all been out to town with a few super rugby players before and just <laughs> seen like the, the 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 level of attention they get from individuals mm. as well whether it's females or I was actually talking to um, my mate who plays in super rugby and he was like no nah, man it's not the it's not the females you worry about it's the fucking it's the blokes you know like they, they are so they'll, they'll come in there you're having a chat they be like oh bro yeah just chat your ear off for half a night but um I think yeah the the whole ego thing which gets pushed pushed into professional sport anywhere because you're, you're put on a pedestal right you know you're the right. elite of the elite of the whatever percentage it is that that plays the sport mm. um so yeah there's so much stuff to work through it's almost like becoming a child celebrity like justin bieber you know from a young age you got fame you got money you got attention um so yeah how do you deal with that pressure and mm. still be a good person but it seems like there's some good tools and processes in in, in, in place for professional athletes so people aren't becoming assholes and fucking, you know, burning bridges or burning their finances, for example. Hundred percent. And um, and I know, yeah, and, I, and I've seen like there is that, like, say, for example, that financial literacy that the players not get taught. Like, uh, mm. you know, I, I'm not too aware of like the full story here, but I know, like, say, like Joan Lomu, biggest rugby player in um in the world. Like, he's arguably he is arguably the the game of rugby. As, a, as an individual Yeah Bring that haircut back By the way Yeah 100% Fucking the banger 100% um, Had everything Had all the endorsements Had all the Everything He was probably the highest Arguably maybe one of the Highest paid players at the time mm. um, Walked away completely broke mm. And I just think it was Because that financial literacy Was not there And they yeah. were not taught How to use and learn And manage their money And mm. manage their wealth And manage their fame and, and the attention And that kind of stuff So true bro I think, um, I think a bit of that attention like, yeah, like you see your favourite rugby player and stuff out in the street, but um, and you might go up and ask for a selfie or whatever. Um, but I, I feel like it dilutes a little bit now that it feels like it's a bit more accessible through, like, social media and, mm. and that kind of thing. And I think that's a good thing. I think um, I think connecting or players connecting with fans on that, uh, like, digital sort mm. of, like, space, like, I think that... Yeah, I think that's just like a. I think that's a beneficial thing for the player, mm. you know, itself because it's it kind of humanizes people a bit more. Hundred eh? percent of like, I guess, Michael Jordan or some of these athletes who didn't have social media, it kind of further reinforces their stardom because mm -hmm. like you don't have that connection to them. But I guess now when you're seeing like Conor McGregor posting like Instagram videos of him like fucking pissed out drunk in the toilet you're like oh okay cool he's a he's a normal guy yeah 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 and back then back in the day like um seeing a rugby player or seeing a famous sports person or whatever like it was so like rare because you didn't really get an insight into their life because mm. they weren't on Instagram or anything so when you saw them it was like I was like seeing a fucking, <laughs> like seeing a unicorn. It was like holy shit! Like, damn, there's there's the famous person. I must get my opportunity yeah. to get the signature in a photo. Whereas now it's like, well, I've kind of seen this person on Instagram, and I kind of know where he's up to. I might just leave him alone. Yeah, it's, that's so true. That's actually a really interesting point. I remember uh, Sonny Bill Williams came to Alte College back. Oh, I don't know, probably the worst decision he made coming there. But um, I remember there was a video he was getting sh showed around the school with our principal. And that, like, one of the kids there, do you remember getting, like, shollied? 
So you grab like your finger and you'd sholly someone. So you'd like put your finger up there, not up their ass, but like where their ass is and just flick it up. Oh, no. And I don't think I ever did that. I went to a boys' school too. I don't think I ever did that. <laughs> Bro, it was a rife, eh? You just have to watch out for your for your asshole, basically. And um, yeah, there was this classic video of Sonny Bill right next to our principal and this guy's like filming him and just goes, surely. And like... Like Sunnyville knew exactly what it was. Oh. Like just the look on our principal's face, eh? It was just like, oh, fuck's sakes, fucking potty door. Oh, did he go with it? Did he? Did he? Yeah, he, he fucking he started laughing and stuff. He's but. a legend. I I got a lot of respect for Sunnyville. Eh? I think he's yeah. I think he's bloody great. Yeah, it was hard watching him get knocked out by uh, Mark Hunt. It was oh, crazy. Yeah, in the boxing match. Yeah, it was tough. But a lot of people were like, oh, Sunny Bill, money Bill, like Sunny Bill was in it for the money and bloody blah, blah blah. Yeah, but at the same time. He's won, what, two World Cups, whatever it is. He's become an all-black. He did well at NRL. He was New Zealand champion boxer for a while. He's right. fucking done this and he's done that. And he's he's an athlete. Like, why would you not do all the things that you're good at? Bro, I reckon, exactly. I think he got so much hate because of the fact that he was very well-rounded and he just had, like, he's a fucking good-looking bloke as well. People are like, this cannot be fair. An individual can't. You know, be so talented and have these look because I think some of his hate was totally um, unjustified. Eh? Mm. It's like why are you? I guess people were like he's flip flopping between sports, no. but like it's just a bunch of fucking that, tall poppy shit. Bro. He doesn't owe you anything. Like he can make his decisions. Like he can he can do whatever the fuck he likes if he's good at something and he feels mm. like doing something. Like who are you as a public? Like oh, he's not loyal to the jerseys. Like oh, fucking oh, that stuff grinds my gears. Eh? Like what do you think? What do you think? Pushes the average hater, bro, because you've got such good insights into the social media world. You're seeing all of these toxic people pop up all the time. Mm. Have you learned anything about the psychology of people looking through mm. hateful comments? Yeah, uh, again, passion. Like it really is passion. Uh, it's passion for the sport, mm. and it's it. Yeah, it's it's fandom. It's passion. It's a love for the game. It's it's all of those things. Mm. And I think. When you get um, when you get so deep in that and, and so emotionally connected, and I'm I'm probably like a little bit guilty of it, but I'm I've got a greater awareness to realise like how I'm thinking. But when you get so emotionally invested in a sport, and that's what sport does, because it doesn't emotionally invests you. It's it's eighty minutes or it's ninety minutes or whatever it is, and you're following this team, you're following the players, and you you just love it. You what you want to be the best. You want to see New Zealand beat fucking England and South Africa. You want to see us succeed. And you get so emotionally invested in it. I think with that emotional investment, when you get let down in some way or another, whether it's a loss or a player leaving or something, mm. like there is that sense of entitlement, like you're owed something because yeah. you're because you as a fan have given everything you've got emotionally, which is a currency. I reckon. I reckon emotional investment is a currency in in some ways. You've given all of this, um, and to have your investment go nowhere, mm. that's when people jump into the fucking Facebook comments and start making those mean comments and that sort of thing. You know what I mean? Mm. Mm. I agree. Mm. I agree. Yeah, it's um I, I remember with the with the podcast, I think it was when we had Amelia Kerr on, the um cricket player and one of the greats. One of the greats. One, one of the greats. goats. Yeah. She, she's a she's an absolute beast man. But um I remember I got my first hateful comment or my first hater on the YouTube video of that. And I remember when it first happened, I was like, wait a minute, like what the hell? Like, and it really sticks with you, eh? Mm. Even though it was something so far-fetched, I think he was, 
What was he, the comment? The, the guy was talking, because Melia Kerr has been very vocal around her mental health and like the battles that she's had. And he was, the, the, this, this guy who commented, he was like, great interview by uh, Amelia Kerr, but the host using swear words could have triggered her to have a mental health episode. And I, I think I just replied, I was like, mate, this isn't Jimmy Fallon. Like, <laughs> I think I actually, I feel like I actually read that. Did you post it or maybe yeah, I Yeah, yeah, I checked up on the story. Yeah, but like, um, it, is, it is crazy how you can read, you can be so many different positive comments across the work that you're doing. Um, it must be just elevated when you're a professional athlete or in the content creation game. And you get that one comment that sticks out like a sore thumb. Mm. And it's almost like all of the other positive uh, validation that you got from others is all washed away with the uh, words of one person. But it I kind of brought me back to what Guy Williams said when he was on the show. When he was like, also. yeah, absolute goat. <laughs> I've watched that old boy, I like, it was good. Oh, he's, a, he's a legend. <laughs> I was pretty nervous for that one because he can just roast you at any time, eh? Um, but he said, like, having a hater is like a privilege. Like, not everyone gets in the position where you got a hater. So I was like, fuck, that's actually a cool way to, yeah, cool way to look at it. Because he's really hated as well, Guy Williams. Yeah. He, gets, he gets a lot of shit, bro. Fuck, I bet. Yeah. Yeah, because he's, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the, the subject matter in which he presents himself is, yeah, yeah like, yeah, it's unique, but that's what makes him so 100% awesome. Like, yeah, yeah. No, he's, he's, he's good. He's one of those Kiwis just put himself out there again. And I think we just need some, so many more of those, of those, of those individuals. Um, bro, what do you reckon? Let's, let's take, let, let's fast forward 20 years into the future. Sit with me here as mm. we sip on this beer. Mm. What do you think? Because we're definitely heading heading down this technological route mm. through, you know, businesses. Yeah, everything's online. Literally, everything is online. Yeah. What do you think society is going to look like in twenty years? How is social media going to be integrated into our lives? Mm. And do you think it's as in the in end result? Do you think it's going to be a positive thing? Mm. Yeah, I mean, look at where we're at with it, and uh, what and pretty much. 13 years you know like social media became a bit more of a thing yeah sort of 2007 2008 2010 sort of area right that's sort of like mid 2000s weird how we call it mid 2000s because <laughs> you know we're, what happens when we get to 2050 is that mid 2000s as well yeah yeah so, true you know that sort of that mid 2000s era um i think it i think it's had a lot of i think it's had a lot of like positives and negatives and i think everybody can like speak to that and you know they're obvious with what they are so mm. like I think in 20 years' time, like, I think we're going to see, um, I think we're going to see a lot more, not like regulation, but I, I think as people of our generation are getting older, we're going to be a lot more aware of what social media is and was. Mm. And a lot of these older generation people will probably be a bit more fed out. And then the younger generation, like uh, my sister or your daughter's mm. um, generation, like, They'll also probably grow up knowing sort of what social media is, and I think it. I think it's going to be a, a way different place. And I'm sorry to say it without the the boomers and that kind of generation on social media. Like mm. in 20 years' time, it's mostly going to be us and our our children mm. that, are, that are on it. And I think that's going to change, potentially change that landscape a lot for the better in a positive way. Mm. I think social media is going to be really powerful in yeah. 20 years. A lot of people. Um, a lot of people. Talk about, um, and I heard a, 
I heard a quote the other day, might have been on a podcast, like AI is coming coming for our jobs or whatever it is. AI is coming for our jobs. And like, yeah, the first thing that's going to go is like the creative jobs. We're already starting to see it and yada, yada, yada. It's like, I completely disagree with that because AI, now I'm jumping onto AI on Photoshop and, and Premiere and I'm True. generating this and I'm yep. creating artwork using it and that kind of stuff. It still needs creative input. It still needs creative articulation mm. in order to get the result that you need to from it. Mm. And you're still going to need somebody to be an AI operator, essentially. Mm. I reckon AI is not going to take our jobs. In fact, it's going to create a fuck ton more because mm. you're going to need people to be able to run this AI accurately. Mm. Yeah. And I reckon that's going to be it in 20 years also. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I just think more of the like binary functions and roles in society, like a checkout operator, like, yes, mm. you can see, and we've already got that with self service checkout operations mm. but um i think where ai will never be able to fit the script i think it is in the creative sphere because mm. that's that's human right it's not like and yes like you can see those different like artwork generators which are like they're pretty fucking incredible mm. it's pretty amazing but mm. you can there's nothing creative about it because the trigger is coming from the person to input into the output mm. which is what it, the the generating is of that artificial intelligence fucking language or design. So yeah, I I completely agree. I feel like the creative side of things will become more and more sought after because mm. everything will be so automated. It'll get to the point where it's like, fuck, everything's so got its own path. But what about these fractions in society which aren't following that direction you know i feel like that will foster in like arts and probably just literal artists you know what i mean like mm. actually painting on a canvas like stuff like that we could see a massive acceleration to yeah i think just creativity in general i reckon um, i'm gonna go back to um a point you just made about the supermarket operators like yeah um yeah ai might come for the supermarket operator and it's already happened we've seen self-checkouts come out in the last 10 years but you know what else ai has kind of it's not ai but this same sort of like digital space has opened up now instead of checkout operators we've got people filling up shopping trolleys with click and collect mm. we've got people manning the um self-checkout because yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. they're not always they're not always on so it's kind of created these other new jobs now. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's and, so true. And it's really, sometimes it's really hard. And this is just, that, that's a really just kind of like, um, like symbolized model of what that could look like. But I think like, I think if you take that and you apply it to sort of, sort of everything. Yeah. I feel like, um, I feel like we, we just don't know what those jobs look like. Are you like, mm. they say, um, they say you'll probably be working when you're born, the job that you'll be working doesn't even exist yet sure. which is crazy because when i was born back in 1993 being a videographer a content creator for social media mm. what the fuck we yeah, didn't know true. what the hell that, that was, was in 1993 like, yeah true that what is that like fuck you know like so in 20 years time our children and stuff they're literally they the job that they're gonna work and make their money in doesn't even exist yet mm. Yeah, fuck, that's crazy. Yeah, and just thinking how fast things have changed, eh? Because, mm. yeah, if you were to get someone from the street from 1993 and be like, hey, mate, you know, what's your Instagram? Or, like, <laughs> yeah. like you'd, just be, you'd be speaking fucking French to them. Um, so, yeah, super, super surreal. Do you believe in, like, because I, I know you've sort of stepped into the NFT space mm. as well. Mm -hmm. um, 
do you think there's a future for NFTs? What's your What's your hot take on them? Because I'm, I'm a little bit skeptical. Eh? I reckon there's a, and and I, I've dipped my toes in NFTs, and I reckon um, there uh, we've seen we've seen a prototype of what it can truly do, and I think um at a consumer at a, at a consumer level, um, the barrier to entry is still too large. It's still a little bit too complicated. But it's become a lot simpler even in the last couple of years in terms mm. of the apps you can download and the way that you can top your wallet up and that kind of thing and all that sort of stuff. I think NFTs will enter in a space where it's, yes, there will be the artwork and that's the kind of direction that I went in when I was making mine and, and selling mine is, is creating artwork, digital artwork. It would be um, kind of like a what I would call a cinemagraph, mm. which back in 2015 I was like, these are going to be the thing. Mm. Here we are now. Um, cinemagraph. Where it'll it'll be like a photo, but there'll be an element to it moving, and it'll be constantly moving. It'll look like a constant rotation. The almost idea, like the Harry Potter newspaper. Exactly, yeah. exactly like a Harry Potter newspaper. Um, instead, it'll be like a piece of it'll be a photography, but it'll have a video element to it. And that was, I created these with intention that people would buy these Samsung smart TVs and they'll mm -hmm. load their NFTs up onto them, and they can just have this thing rolling through. It was purely for the it was for the art factor. It wasn't mm -hmm. trying to like. It'd be awesome to make a bunch of fucking crypto money from it, but it never happened. But the, 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 the creative, the creative intention there was to create something that would look aesthetically awesome in somebody's living room. Um, I still think that element to the NFT um, will exist, but I think where um, its true value is going to be um, is in, say, you know, you buy like a, you buy like a Rolex, mm. and your certificate of certificate of authenticity is an nft form you can only get that because it's only on the blockchain um you buy yeah you buy a piece of artwork like a physical piece um you buy the i don't know you buy like a like a um like an andy warhol or something and the official museum of andy warhol has created this nft and put it on the blockchain and they've mm. transferred it to you to prove mm. purchase mm. i think that's where well, that's where I, I feel like I can see yeah. NFTs being a lot of value. Yeah, there's definitely feasibility in that space. I just, like, I remember when it really kicked off, you know, you got Gary Vee, who's a, who's a really smart man, but he's like, yeah, and you got like the, what are the, what are the, are the cyberpunks? Like the, the apes, the monkeys, yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah. Bro, they were selling for like six mil. Like millions. Millions yeah. like of dollars. Eminem and Bieber, they were all on them. And, Bro, I just, I, and I just remember looking at this, I was like, is this really what they're valued at? And like, what's the... Like, I'm, maybe I'm just like a boomer and I'm, I'm sort of stuck in my ways, but I'm like, okay, if you've got physical artwork, you know, you can display it, you, people can appreciate it, you can physically see, you can touch, you can feel, you can smell it. Mm. Um, so there's some level of value within mm. that. Mm. But having it on your, like, is it your OpenSea, like, you know, account little meta wallet to be mm. like, yeah, cool, here's my, hey, you're a part of this exclusive club. But I think where you're coming from, like the blockchain is probably where the value is in mm. um, to sort of verify the ownership of different assets. 100%. Um, yeah, I'd love to, I remember even in New Zealand, there was that, um, what was it, Trillionaire Thucks? Oh, yeah. Everyone <laughs> was, bro, it got so bad. I was low-key thinking like, man, do I need to jump on this? Like, yeah, the Super Rugby players. Yeah, everyone's like, popping them. You're like Bone Stan Bone Walker yeah, being like, yeah, yeah man, this is the future. Um, so <laughs> that was so not the happy. future. <laughs> the narrator says it was not the future. That man probably just cashed out. He's probably living in a boat in like Ibiza right now, eh? the creator of that. Yeah. Yeah, super interesting, bro. Yeah, and I, it's funny, I, 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 always, I always balk at the comment of... Um, 
of um, what was the point of an EFT when I can just screenshot it and something? It's yeah. like, well, you could just screenshot. You can screen. You can take a photo of the Mona Lisa. It doesn't yeah, mean you that's own true. it. Like you know, that's you can true. take a photo of Andy Warhol, or whatever. Like, yeah, you don't own it. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you've got a print of it, but you don't actually own it. So true, bro. <laughs> um, how do you? How do you? Are you all good for time as well? Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. How do you keep creative, bro? Because you, your role is all about creative output. Mm. How, like, what do you do personally when you've got different roadblocks in the way to keep the sort of creative flows flowing? Mm. That's a good question. Um, and yeah, I guess I, 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 I don't go through creative block often, but yeah, when I do, then um, yeah, I, I guess I put these tools in place to, to help me get sort of through it. Um, and I guess touching back um, before on, on that setback of applying for that All Blacks role, mm. um, taking taking yourself or taking myself out of the environment, um, out of the creative environment and just and just putting the tools down and just putting and closing Premiere and closing Photoshop, closing Photoshop and just not, not um, you know, relying on the... Um, the serotonin boost of a few fucking likes and comments on a yeah. on an Instagram post like that stuff. I hate to say it, and you know we hate to all admit it, but the elephant in the room is the fact that the shit is addicting. Mm. Like you know you get social validation and people are like liking your posts and liking your stuff and validating what you're doing is great. Like that yeah, makes you feel good if you're getting constant praise. Man, that course it boosts your serotonin. Of course, yeah. it's that that's natural human biology, Hard. and it's now it's now. Concentrated and it's it's even easier for us to get that now because it's on fucking social media. It's at, it's literally at our fingertips. Mm. Like it's 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 crazy to think. Mm. So I think as a creative, it's important to to have the self awareness to be able to step outside of that biological stimulation, which is our serotonin boost that we get from posting our digital artwork mm. on Instagram or whatever, and getting fucking people to validate it for you mm. it's just putting that stuff down mm. and it's and it's and it's closing the programs and it's putting the tools down and it's focusing on something else mm. it's downloading gda5 and going to do the fucking missions on it it's downloading <laughs> the new avatar game which is actually fucking awesome like it, it's stepping away from it it's 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 going for a walk it's going for a hike yeah you know, th- those are things those are tools that i put in place it's literally just putting your mind somewhere else that yeah. is outside of creativity because again if you're a, if you're a creative at heart and then you'll feel that the urge and the need to create something when you're ready mm. to get out of that mm. yeah and th- that was that was fucking well put bro when you have that urge to like like what does that look like because i think i feel like a lot of people might not be working in the sort of same field as you they might not have a creative area in their life or in their job so when you say you've got this like creative itch like can you articulate what that actually means Mm. creative itch would be scratching a creative itch as and a a creative itch for me would be seeing something or thinking about something that I think is like that could look or sound or be really cool or or I don't know. You, you you come up with a a punchline or a um, or I don't know, just some sort of like idea. Sometimes you you might be driving along in the car and just uh, like something sort of comes to you, and you just feel the need to just get that down on paper and just just sort of create it's almost like a craving. Because yeah, like I don't get it to the certain degree that I feel like you have that. Because like from seeing how you're, you know, 
describing what their feeling is. It's uh, do you reckon that's like some intrinsic thing that you that some people just have and others don't? Potentially, like, like say for example, um, <laughs> you know, uh, this is totally on the like polar opposite, and there there is some median in between. But I don't know you could be a fucking you could be a math scientist or a scientist or somebody that um, is dialed into their field of what they're particularly good at, um, and they they come up with something or they they feel the urge to try something because they're like oh I wonder if I wonder if I put like a battery like up to like <laughs> this kind of ion or this yeah, like yeah, element yeah. I wonder if that would do the thing that I'm thinking about because you know like maybe they all connect up based on the other knowledge that I have about yeah, these yeah, two yeah. things. No, I'm gonna just try that. That's mm. that, and like a science term could be the creative itch that I get when it comes to, uh, so like a photo or a design or mm. um, or a video or some sort of or like an animation. Mm. So like my, I guess my outlet or my my itch that I need to scratch comes in the form of um, of content creation. I guess mm. Yeah. Mm. could be like a cook. Fuck man, like Monique Fiso. Um, I know for a fact she literally has whole days a week where she's literally in the kitchen experimenting with ingredients she'll go out she'll forage New Zealand ingredients she'll peel barks off trees and she'll try this and try that and I know she comes in one day um, one day of the week and she'll put the stuff together and I bet when she's driving like she'll be like fuck I wonder if like the like mamoko leaf and the I know mm. the harakiki seed mm. put those together and whatever what if that would work yeah you know? it's like the old uh, ratatouille scene with that uh, Ratatouille's friend Forgot his name Is trying like The cheese with the carrots And he sees like Colour coming out Of like <laughs> The flavours it, It's kind of Similar to that eh? um, I guess For For you bro Because you work Live And breathe The uh, You know Digital Creation Side of things Through Through social media And expressing your creativity Through that way And You touched on it earlier That it's so easy to Get all your validation Through Instagram likes views followers mm. it's it's natural we're, we're we're all so guilty of it I definitely am you know like you a video pops off sweet you know mm. that's val- that that is so validating and it, I think it can lead to some very unhealthy habits and mm. expectations um, so outside of the realm of social media like where do you get your validation from? Externally from the realm of Instagram, TikTok, etc. Like, what makes you content and happy? Mm. Buckle in. <laughs> <laughs> that was great timing. Eh? Yeah. Um, yes, social validation is like one, and I agree. I think um, it can be unhealthy because mm. uh, some people that's their only validation. Right? It is their only validation, and I think if you're not um, comfortable and confident in yourself to be able to validate yourself and what you're doing is good, then like then the social validation becomes unhealthy and that's when the addiction mm. like can take over. But I think if you're if you can just if you can just step out and step like step outside of your own bodily existence and look at where you are from a third person perspective and just Analyze like here you are. Here's where you've come from. Here's here's where you are versus five years ago, and it is and and it is in a better place. Mm. Then that should be validation enough for yourself to know that you know any extra that comes from the likes of social media is it's just a bonus. Mm. But 
maybe like for, yeah could be for listeners out there or for for anybody not 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 everybody has not everybody has like got to a place of of success or not everybody has made the right decisions along the way and some people might have been in a better position five years ago and they look look at themselves five years later and be like i'm not in a i'm, I'm not in a better position well you know what even having that self-awareness to be able to make that decision and, and, and make that analysis on yourself mm. like that that is a validation in itself mm. it's not like a positive validation because you're like well i'm not in a better place but the fact that you can't even validate where you are I I really think that is mm. powerful. Yeah. yeah, to have that awareness to look and yeah, totally. I think it's that that awareness piece, eh, and seeing where you are to where you came from to, and like what even is the definition of progress when it comes to an individual's life? You know, is it progress in terms of financially? Is it like happiness? But how do you measure happiness? You know, mm. like is it relationships? Is it jobs? Is it security? Is it children, family, there's so many different measures that we put ourselves into and I think one of my like favourite quotes is, and I always remind myself with this, is like comparison is the thief of joy. Oh bro, like I live by that. Bro, and it's it just see, like whenever I'm comparing myself to others, and I'll be interested to hear your take, like I think I feel like especially as we grow older there's certain expectations that get put on us that you know, you need to have X job, you need to be married by this age, or you just need need to be married in general, or, um, you know, the list goes on. So I think we're always benchmarking ourselves against society. Mm. But, yeah, I'd love to get your take on that, bro. Like, do you, how do you stop yourself comparing your progress to other people's? Mm. And Instagram is a dangerous place for example. Dude, it is, eh? Fuck, man. You see some, like, shredded shredded guy on the beach with, like, a 12-pack. You're like, fuck, man. I'm going to lay off my um, parrot dog. <laughs> yeah, Instagram is probably the biggest thief of joy, isn't it? Agree. Um, you know, and, yeah, I I, I feel like we're, we're, we're all guilty of it. I mean, you know, maybe you've just given a, given a very sort of – like obvious and, and trivial example of what you know comparison could look like, um, yeah. but it's very easy to like to fall into that. Mm. Um, but again, I just I I fall back on the fact of having a greater self awareness of where you are and who you are, and being able to accept what you are good and not good at mm. Help, it. helps to not have that. Yeah, that that comparison and yeah. to not have your joy stolen, mm. you know, like <clears throat> fuck. I'd love to have a twelve pack, but like I know that <laughs> like my 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 pitfall is not having the the discipline the, the discipline. I I'm not disciplined and structured enough in order to get myself there. Mm. I just know that as me as a person and my biological makeup. I just simply just do not have it. Mm. I'm a fucking sedgy. Like my my brain is. Everywhere, mm. like it is everywhere, all at one time in many different places, or at the exact same time. Yeah, think about a million different things all the time. I cannot have a structure. Right, I, I run a. Here's my calendar. I got my Outlook calendar. I've got um, I've got reminders on notes. I've got reminders on reminders. I've got reminders on my actual <laughs> iPhone calendar. I've got my partner sending me reminders also. Like, I've got shit written down. I've got an actual diary as well. And I think just <laughs> I think just the act of writing something down maybe helps me remember, but. Knowing that I don't have that kind of structure in my life mm. means that I'm never going to let the guy with the fucking 12-pack get me down or steal my joy mm. because I know that's just... I've got the self-awareness to know that 
that's just not how I'm ever going to be. Do you think you got ADD, bro? <laughs> I reckon maybe a little bit of like I reckon I've got it clinically well. undiagnosed. Yeah, for sure. ADHD. Yeah, I'm the same. I'll be like around the house. It's like cool. You need to do X job, and then I'm like doing the washing. I'm like fuck. I need to do the fucking dishwasher. And I stop doing the fucking what. And it just keeps going. And then you end up on your phone, and you're like, <laughs> like what was I doing again? Oh yeah, I was looking for the number for. Oh, oh, but it also scares me people that don't operate in that way. That are just like. Don't do this job complete like complete next like i'm yeah. just so not I'm, i think we're the same in that way 100 percent. Mm. yeah and i like fuck i like i guess my 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 um thief of joy is wishing i maybe had a little bit more structure i look at these guys I'm like man they're getting all their things done and it was because they're so structured and you know they're getting like for me to be in the entrepreneurship and it's because he's consistent and i look at you man you're putting these bloody podcasts out all the time I'm like fuck i wish I could just be a bit more consistent with like sticking to something sometimes. So I admire that. I admire the fact that you have you've you've stuck it out for this long, and and I can see it going. I mean, look in the depth since two thousand twenty-one, mate. You're you're mm. here almost three years later. Yeah, it's buzzy actually. <laughs> yeah, it's super crazy. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, it's yeah. what that. It's just so good because I know how hard it is mm. to stick to something for that long. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, so true. Systematically and. Well, not systematically, but, you know, um, to get in that routine, to go to the troubles of trying to organise it, to reach out, to ask those DMs, mm. and to, to ask people to come on or mm. and to organise Ashton to come in Shout and Shout out Ash. It. Young 100%. Jamie. Young Ash. <laughs> like chucking it together on the edits and yeah. all that stuff. I know how much work goes into this kind of stuff. And Cheers, bro. Like how much, like, to be honest, how much you need to be dialed in. Mm. You say you're about ADHD, but a little part of you does have that structure in place to carry this on so mm, mm, bro, awesome thank shit. you appreciate that yeah and i think um yeah it's just been a fucking crazy journey and it's a super cool way as you as you get older it's again real deep but just seeing where all of your friends end up and like the cool shit that they tick off and i feel like across so many of my friend groups it's like fuck yeah of course you'll turn out to be like a fucking amazing musician or like a rapper or like <laughs> A crazy investment banker it's like that, that was totally like your path from knowing you when I was like 15 and you just become fucking awesome at that but yeah no it's cool bro we're, we're all on our own journeys I think that's what's um mm. what, what is the cool part eh mm. yeah. uh, I always admire your story too whenever I'm like uh, whenever somebody else was jumping on a podcast with Noah's like who's Noah's like he's the guy that that went to old tear and he made head boy and he and he had a baby at the same time it's like oh yeah I remember that story it's like yeah that's the guy he's funny yeah fucking un, unreal story mate me and Ash were actually just talking about that before um <laughs> yeah before this episode started and he was like oh, I just I was bored googled your name he was like there's so many articles I was like <laughs> fuck man it was such a crazy time eh? so crazy and just I was so naive when all of that happened to like one reach out to the media, like call up Newstalk ZB and tell my story. Mm. And then also naive to like think, yeah, I just, I guess they also didn't tell me transparently that it would like where they were positioning this yeah. as like a story and it just fucking blew up. But I also feel like a part, a part of the podcast and like, I guess maybe deep down, I haven't really thought about this, but maybe some of the reasons why I'm doing the podcast is actually to, almost shift that narrative away from that because I felt like that was my identity for so many years. Mm. You know what I mean? It was like, mm. cool, you're the young dad, yeah, former head boy sort of thing. I was like, fuck. And then you, you know, from that media attention, have the opportunity to do like talks and you're talking about it and X, Y, and Z. So I feel mm. like a part of this is like, I want to create my own narrative now and like mm. share stories and not make that be 
my identity, which I felt like it was, you know, five years ago. Mm. Yeah. I, I just feel like so many, I mean, you've had guests on here that have obviously asked about it and you've, you've, you have, you've shared that story. Mm. But because it, it, it is, it's just such a unique, it's just such a unique story. Like, it's just so unbelievable. And I think, like, it, you know, even going down deeper than the surface of what we saw and that that's the media articles, you've been like, yeah, like, this is how the media actually treated me mm. and how the media actually posed my story and that kind yeah. of stuff and, and, yeah. and you know, sort of butchered it. You know, I just, I find that, yeah, I just find that really fascinating. I know a lot of people find that fascinating because mm. I've never been in that position. It's just so, it's just such a unique, it's just such a unique story. It like, is, eh? I think, yeah, when I, when I think back on it, it's just like how, yeah, I think naive is probably the word that's, because, bro, when you're like 17, 18, like, you're so dumb. Like, yeah. the majority of people, like, think back to yourself back then, like, I was like, fuck. I, I remember once from the, from the media article, this guy wrote to me. I think it might have been on it might have been on social media. I can't remember, but he started talking. He was like, "Hey man, who's your story? I'm a young dad as well." And blah, blah, blah. so like we got talking. I was like, "Oh, that's awesome." Started like asking you know just general questions and stuff. And then I remember he was like, "Oh yeah, um, what's your address? I've got like a present for your daughter." I was like, "Okay." And like I, I was so innocent and naive at the time. I was like, "Okay, it must, it must be sweet." And I like for whatever reason gave him my address, oh, and I remember just like as soon as I posted that, I was like, "Fuck!" I think it was before you could unsend on oh, Messenger as well. Yeah, I was like, "I have no idea who this person actually is." And anyway, yeah, it just kept sort of going on. Ended up afterwards, he like sent me a photo of like his quote unquote son, and it was a genuine stock image you know when you like you're the stock yeah. image people yeah, that nice. just don't really look real yeah like their teeth are a bit too white and it's like a real stage photo yeah. he sent me a photo of like an eight-year-old child that was just like a stock image i was like fuck i'm just gave this cat like my holy address. shit but anyways i remember like weeks later i got like a package in the in the mail and it was, <laughs> it was like it wasn't anything dangerous or anything but it was like <laughs> The weirdest pair of sandals you've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> it was fucking weird. I wasn't expecting that. Nah, <laughs> yeah, it was like really strange sandals that like no one would ever want to wear. What? Um, and this like horribly written letter that looked like it came, yeah, just really fucking weird. And I just remember from that moment, I was like, fuck, I need to be a bit smarter. That is so weird. Block this motherfucker. <laughs> it reminds me of um, it reminds me of that guy. Um, have you ever watched the Ted movies? With the beer. With the beer, yeah. yeah. And it's the, the, the guy's like, yeah, I really like your teddy bear. He's like, <laughs> yes. Can I, like, play with him? <laughs> like, yeah, bro. It's like, no, man, like, get off. Like, look yeah. Off. Like, it's... yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, no, weird. there's definitely some freaks out there. There's oh, definitely some it's... absolute freaks out there. So, <laughs> that's so weird. But he didn't he didn't come to your house and... No, nah, not that no, he might have, but... No, nah. I, I just remember, like, the anxiety that followed afterwards of realising I've just given, like, the address where I live. Yeah. Where my... Because I was living at home, I was eighteen then. So it's where my sisters live, it's where my dad lives, where my stepmom lives. I was like, yeah. "Fuck, this could be anyone." Yeah. yeah, yeah. Have you ever been catfished? Have I ever been catfished before? <laughs> no, nah, I've never. No, nah, I've never been catfished. Good. No, nah. no, neither have I actually. No, nah. no. Nah. Nah. I feel like you can. Um, you can. If you know what you're looking for, we've been in this game long enough where you can spot a fucking catfish. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and all their tentacles. And all their yeah. tentacles. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess with like social media and stuff too, eh? like the whole dating game has just changed completely. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. 
there was this great video. Oh, there's a great video that um, I got shared. Should try and find it. Anyway, it was just awesome. It was really well filmed. And it was this guy who was sitting in the diner and it was he was in his like nice gears and stuff. And he's sitting in his diner and he's he's ordered, ordered his, his his lunch or his dinner or whatever. And um and he's like sees a girl over in the other booth and he's kind of like oh and like whatever. And then he starts like writing her like like a note like do you, like do you want to get lunch with me one day and like leaves his number like on the note and whatever and then like the video is sort of like they framed the note like really well mm. with him like writing or whatever with a like thumb swipe of some like a guy like lying in bed on like uh, on, on, uh, on tinder true. like swiping through and the whole message was just it was filmed really well and the whole message was just about how just like yeah dating's just changed mm. completely we've lost that that almost just like that Oh, really that confidence, yeah. the riz, the real life riz. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, is it ser- that serendipity of maybe Great word. seeing like a nice young girl at the diner that you can go at the diner, and, you know, <laughs> go up and talk to her. Yeah. In the nineteen twenties. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so true. Well, we talked about the power of DMs earlier, and like the power of DMs when you're like single and you're dating. You mm. know what I mean? Like that's. There's a whole nother ball game. Mm. Have you ever had any DMs that backfired? Mm. Not from the dating sense, or maybe from the dating sense, <laughs> but just in like general. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, um, certainly had you know DMs that have backfired, um, but I've yeah, I th- I feel like I've had more success with my D- <laughs> with my DMs. Uh, I met my partner through the DMs. Same, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah nice. into the DMs. Did you slide him first or second? I think it might have been a story act first, and it then has to be the story <laughs> act. Yeah. Bread and butter, baby. Bread and butter. <laughs> story act, and then yeah, little yeah. fire emoji. Yeah, little, yeah, little fire emoji. Yeah, yeah, nice. Say that you mean business, though. <laughs> and then um, yeah, and then it might have might have led lead into a wee DM. But um, oh, it's a great way. I feel like it's a it's a it's a more organic way because they can see a lot more about you. They can mm. see your captions and how you've written and. You know, if they're interested in the work you're doing or yeah. your dead fish that you've got or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, the typical snapper photo <laughs> yeah. on a boat. Um, when, when I uh, yeah, I like when I met my um my partner, I like slid in slid into her DMs and she had this like post outside Plymouthton where I live and I was like, I was so cringe, thinking back on it now, but I was like, Plym always providing and didn't go anywhere, got stuck in the request folder. And I was like, fuck, shoot a shoot. Oh well. And um I think we matched on Hinge like two weeks later. And so we were like talking, getting along on Hinge, like just chatting. And then I think it got to the point of the conversation where it's like, hey, what's your what's your Instagram? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh. <laughs> I was like, huh, you really need to look in your request folder first. Eh? I'm currently sitting in there alongside a thousand other guys. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Fuck, it happens, bro. It's a modern day love story now, bro. The it is. Instagram love story. Romeo Juliet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, bro, before we wrap things up, um, can just to get your takes on. Or I'd just love to understand, like, what is your... This is something I'm starting to ask a lot more, a lot more guests that come in. Mm. Um, what is what is your standard routine? What does your standard, like, Monday to, to Friday look like? Do you have any special morning routines? Um, what does that look like for you to sort of juggle the demands of work and the demands of life? Fucking great question. Um, I feel like I've recently discovered um, how fucking important it is to just go out for a run. Mm. And just uh, and I don't that just sounds so just like well duh of course you need to go and move your body but no it really is like if you I I prioritized I prioritized like editing and content creation and all that kind of stuff like you know 
my, okay, my day looks like um, I get up at seven, have my breakfast. I go to go to Highlanders and do content from them eight thirty to five. I come home, have dinner, whatever, and then you know I'm straight into working on something until eleven o'clock. Mm. Yeah, I'm straight into those the, all those hours in the evening. Uh, working on a personal project or working on any like side hustle or yep. other like we brand deals and stuff that I've got. So that's my time to do that kind of stuff. I would prioritize the shit out of that that stuff in my content creation more than I would. Um, like my body and my mental health, and I think, um, I think it it, it it sets you down a path into almost like a dark kind of place because mm. what running has done for me, and I've been running for about five months now. Maybe what right. running has done for me has made me feel a lot better about my body, made me feel a lot just better about just yeah about my physical appearance. Yeah, man. Um, it's. It's. It, I know that I'm getting like a sweat on. I know that I'm clearing out toxins. I know that I'm, like, I'm not pulling as many muscles when I'm. Mm. Sometimes I wake up in bed and my fucking neck's like this. Not getting that anymore. Mm. Um, I'm getting a lot more endorphin, a lot more adrenaline. I'm getting a lot more going on in, in my brain mm. that it's helped my creativity and it's helped my state of flow when it comes to content creation. Mm. So in terms of like my routine now, that physical activity, I pro. That used to slip down my priorities now. Nice, now I prioritise the shit out of my like physical well-being because yeah. that physical well-being truly leads into making me a better content creator mm. and unlocks more ideas for me and, and clears my head so much more. And I didn't really realise this until I started doing it again. And it really got to a point, got to a dark place where I was just, you know, I was the heaviest I'd, I'd ever been and I just, I was just like, oh, I just feel so just shit about myself because mm. every time I just... Look at myself, and I'm working in this environment with athletes and stuff. I'm like, what am I? Mm. What am I doing? Yeah, like I'm not doing any of this. Like, and I used to used to be real into it. Yeah, I would put all that stuff aside to like focus on creating content, get that extra like hour or a couple of hours it might be to like create the content and stuff. But now I just I really prioritize that, and it might mean that my editing time in the evenings just a little bit shorter, mm. or it means that I'm just going for a little bit longer. Um, like 12 to 12 a.m. or 1 a.m. Sometimes you get that mm. on like a Friday night. Mm. But yeah, man, like I just, I really can't stress how important it is to keep physical, hey. Fuck yeah. Especially when you're young and you've still got movable limbs. Yeah, Actually, right. the, the biggest breaking point for me was I haven't, I hadn't been able to run. I had two ankle surgeries. Had a, um, had a, had a lead. just said one. You've just had one? Yeah, I yeah. like two years ago, but yeah. Yeah, same. Yeah. So I had my second, my second one two years ago or something. And I think yeah, I was told I wouldn't be able to run again and I just wasn't able to run because it just hurt too much. Then I finally got orthotics and put them in my shoes and now I can finally run. Mm. So I basically had running taken away kind of from me and now I was giving it back and now I really, really appreciate it even mm. more so now. Yeah. So I think, um, I think that kind of helped pull, my, pull through the realisation. But through the act of doing that, it's made me realise how fucking important... That like physical him, activity is, man. 100%. Like, um, the last guest we had on, uh, Ben, he had a really good quote. And it was, you know, you, you you start off having your health, then you build up your wealth, and then you use your wealth to get your health back. Mm. And it's so true, eh? Damn. That's fucking... Ben, that's... Yeah, that's mic drop. <laughs> I also think with, with running, eh, it's like there's, there's no hiding from it. Like, with the gym, you can go at your own pace. You can sort of chill out in between sets. You can, you know, you can push yourself really hard. But I think really with running, you there's no hiding. It's like such a true expression of like who you are when mm. you are running. And like, it doesn't matter how far or how hard you run. 
it's going to get fucking sore. It's going to get fucking hard. Mm. But it's, yeah, I've, I've never been on a run or any like physical activity, to be fair, and um, have regretted it afterwards. 100%. So important. And then, like we said, bro, especially when we're young, like we've got to fucking look after this, look after this body. Um, mm. I, I, I think I said it in, in the last episode with Ben again, but, um, you know, like if we, I use the analogy of a car, but let's say I gave you a phone and this phone was the only phone that you had for the rest of your 80 or 100 years, however you know, lucky you are uh, to, to live as long as you will. Mm. If I gave you this one phone, you would treat that with absolute care and protection. You would probably barely take it out of its case. You wouldn't drop it. You wouldn't take it out on the purse. But like when it comes to our vessel, our body, we don't treat ourselves in that same way of mm. like, well, like some people do, most of us don't. And um, yeah, so I reckon we still treat ourselves like materialistic objects, whether it's a car, whether it's a phone. And like we said, prioritize that time. So, so fucking important. It's a good, that's yeah, a really good analogy. Yeah, mm. It's a really good analogy. Yeah. See, bro. Yeah, that's fucking. That's good stuff. I think it's a good, it's a good, good, good place to end it. Well, we've done like a hour forty. Yeah, which is which is great. This might be the longest episode we've ever done. I apologise for all the profanity, but I'm very expressive with the way I talk, and I'd love to. The word "fuck" truly <laughs> connects a lot of my sentences together. <laughs> no, really, just like to say the word "fuck." It's nice to me. So, so yeah, apologies a, in it's advance. A great expression. Um, <laughs> see, bro. Hey, before we wrap up, where can people keep in touch with you and your mate? Um, yeah, big on the Instagram at Johnny underscore Hendrikus. Um, post all my all my work there, and uh, yeah, obviously I share a lot of the Highlander stuff to that too. Um, longer form content goes on the YouTube, but yeah, mostly Instagram and obviously the Highlanders Instagram as well at Highlanders Team. Give us a follow. We could do with a few more. We're about eight hundred away from one hundred and fifty thousand followers. Go, baby! I really want to get to one hundred and fifty because that's. Uh, yeah, it's a bonus. It's a bonus. Pay rise. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so no, I'd love. Uh, I'd love to. Um, and if if anybody ever wants to reach out about anything creative or editing or shooting or even just camera tips and stuff like that's a big part of um, of the work that I like to do is tutorials and that sort of thing. So definitely, please reach out. Fuck yeah, um, yeah, cool. We'll move over to some quick fire questions. Johnny, what brings you true happiness? Content creation, mate. Uh, being in a job that I absolutely love, my 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 job is my hobby, as it is much my job. Advice you wish you knew about when you were younger? That, yeah, um, <laughs> advice that I wish I was given when I was younger. Um, give me, just give me a eighteen-year-old Johnny is sitting right opposite you. I would say, I would say, um, look, man, you think as an 18-year-old you're going to get it all or you've, you've got it all and you're going to be, you're going to, yeah, be fucking successful. I feel like as, I feel like as an 18-year-old I had a bit of an ego and I mm. wish I could like look back at that and be like, bro, you need to get rid of your fucking ego. Mm, nice. That's, That's good. Yeah. That's good. What does legacy mean to you? Legacy to me would be um, in a um, in like a like a um, legacy for me would be in twenty or thirty years' time being in a place that um, that you've made a difference in some way or another. Um, 
I guess as a creative, as an artist, I would love to be the innovator of, of something or a style mm. that people are now following or that people are now using that helps them get a bit further. Mm. I think legacy as a creative is, yeah, seeing other creatives do like awesome work based off the stuff you're doing. That's cool. If you could change one thing in New Zealand, what would this be? <laughs> Um, <clears throat> if I could change one thing in New Zealand, if I could change one thing in New Zealand, um, if I could change one thing in New Zealand, it would be our tall poppy syndrome. Mm, amen, bro. Because I feel like our tall poppy syndrome holds a lot of us back in terms of allowing ourselves to express ourselves with our ideas and with our success. I feel like that translates into, um, say, for example, you watch American sports and they're all just like cheering and chahooing and jumping mm -hmm. on each other when they score touchdowns and shit. You just don't get that here in no, like, you don't. New Zealand. And I think it's because we need to be uh, – we, we, as a mentality growing up, um, we've always kept very reserved. We're a very reserved country mm. and that, has, that leads into our overall judgment of somebody's success in this country. So if I could get one rid of one thing in New Zealand, it would be getting rid of – Tall poppy syndrome. Completely agree, bro. And what do you believe is the main thing that's holding back young people in New Zealand? Straight away, like I think about um, <laughs> the cost of living. It's just mm. so fucking expensive to to get any further. Mm. You know, like man, I feel like I work a pretty good job, and like there are some there are some weeks or some months where I'm like damn I'm just like scraping through this mm. you know what I mean and mm. like yeah I just I just think not everybody has the not every every kid or every teenager is going to grow up and have that sort of fire in them to do a little bit more to, to yeah. get a little bit further and mm. I just think those ones are uh, just getting left so far behind it's mm, good it's good tech and I think it's just because this country is becoming so fucking expensive to live in now yeah bro it's good I, I, I completely agree and it's the first time we've actually had that response on, on, on the podcast and I think it's so 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 fucking uh, accurate mm. well Johnny um, always a pleasure brother thanks so much um, love you you and the work thanks for taking the time this evening to share a couple of brews and share your story and um, you know, talk about some of the some of the issues, some of the opportunities around sort of the social media world, and yeah, just love following your journey, bro. So keep at it. You're doing you're doing you're doing some awesome awesome work. Appreciate you, man. We'll finish up on a quote: "Youth is the canvas upon which bold strokes of risk paint the masterpiece of a daring life. Seize the brush and colour outside the lines." Mm. Cheers, guys.